Welcome to Tentpole Trauma, the podcast where we look at movies that came with hype and high hopes, but left with crushing disappointment, either critically, at the box office, or both. Freed from the weight of expectations, we seek to examine these underperformers under a new light, parsing through the good, the bad, and everything in between with the hopes of gaining a better understanding as to why they failed to find their audience. Warning, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie that we're discussing today, I suggest you stop the podcast and go watch it. Then when you come back and listen, you'll get more out of the discussion. On this episode, we unleash Sam Raimi's Army of Darkness. Okay, I am Sebastian, and I'm here with Jennifer. Hello. And it's a special podcast where just the two of us are doing it today. That's us, just us two. Fourth of July weekend is coming up, and we've had to move some scheduling stuff around, so we thought we'd get in a quick one that just the two of us could do. So we chose a film that we are both intimately familiar with, and happens to be a movie that did not do well at the box office and that is army of darkness or as it is known in the title bruce campbell versus army of darkness it is the third installment of the famous evil dead horror franchise but this film went in sort of a different direction than the first two evil dead movies Now, Jennifer, what is your history with the Evil Dead franchise? Well, I was thinking about this actually a lot while we were watching Army of Darkness today. And I was remembering how I saw most of the horror movies that I did was through our local video store. And I actually saw Army of Darkness first on VHS. Interesting. And... I was a fan. I, I loved it. And then knowing that it was part of a, a, a franchise or there have been two f- previous films, I had wanted to see those. And the video store had um, Evil Dead 2. So then I rented and watched that and loved that as well. But somebody had taken the Evil Dead and never returned it. And they weren't about like it was wasn't a time or how things were done or I I don't know why they weren't like in a big rush to replace it. Yeah. And for people who, you know, don't know life before the Internet, that's just a big, oh, well, you'll see it when you see it then. And it wasn't at least where I lived like the Evil Dead wasn't showing up on TV. So it it took a while for me to actually see the first film of this franchise which I did see and I, I I loved it as well. But it's interesting because I, you know, I'm seeing the the third film, which is such a departure from the others. But I think it made me, you know, I, I, I love them all. And I think maybe seeing them in that order actually may have helped that because if I had seen them in the correct order, I maybe wouldn't have welcomed Army of Darkness with open arms. 
I think that's a really good point. Um, in comparison to you, I saw Evil Dead 2 first. Uh, like you, I did not have access immediately to Evil Dead, or I might just not have been aware of it or whatever. But somehow, in high school, some friends and I rented Evil Dead 2, and I loved Evil Dead 2. I thought it was just great. I loved the crazy gore. I loved the sort of slapsticky elements of it. If for some reason somebody listening to this hasn't seen the Evil Dead movies, they basically entail a character named Ashley Williams, who is played by Bruce Campbell, going to a cabin in the woods with a bunch of friends, um, a different group depending on which film you see, but the same thing basically happens in both those first two movies, which is... They read the words from this book they find in the cabin called the Necronomicon, and that summons demons out of the woods, and the demons inhabit their friends, and all sorts of hell breaks loose, and it turns into great, gory fun. The actor, Bruce Campbell, who was a friend of Sam Raimi's from college days, was the star, and he starred in the first movie, which they made really low budget. They actually even made another version of it before the original Evil Dead called Within the Woods. So yeah. really they made the story of the cabin in the woods with Bruce Campbell like three times. Yep. <laughs> that basically gives you an idea of what the first two movies are like, if for some crazy reason you haven't seen them. But the cool thing about Evil Dead 2 was it ends with this crazy ending where Bruce Campbell, at this point he has cut off his own hand and affixed a chainsaw to mm -hmm. it to fight off these demons. And this big vortex opens up in the woods, and he gets sucked out into the woods along with the car that he's driven up to the cabin, which is a 1970s model Oldsmobile, which Sam Raimi, the director, calls the classic. Mm -hmm. And he puts it in all of his movies. It's even in the Spider-Man movies, which he did later. So Ash... Bruce Campbell gets sucked into this vortex and deposited in medieval times. And there are like these knights and stuff surrounding him. And he's like, oh, my God, or whatever. <laughs> and when I saw that ending as a kid or as a teenager, I was like, that is the coolest ending I've ever seen. And then when Army of Darkness came out in 1992, at that point, I was an adult in the working world, so to speak, working at the Lowe's Nickelodeon Theater. And I remember it coming out and I was like, oh, wow, he actually made that movie that he was promising at the end of Evil Dead 2. So I was pretty excited to see it. But I'll sort of save my feelings on what my initial feelings on the movie were. But yeah, that was sort of how I came into the Evil Dead franchise and Army of Darkness. I was very excited to see it because it was fulfilling the promise of the end of Evil Dead 2. Did you see uh, Army of Darkness in the theater then? Yes, okay. I did. And in fact, I think it played in some sort of screening at the Nickelodeon cool. Theater where okay. I was working. So I, I believe I got to see it. I remember that I definitely saw the whole thing in the theater. I can't remember if it was like a special screening that I got to go to or if it was actually, I actually went to see it. I can't remember. But I mean, you know, people that I knew were pretty excited to see it. It was definitely on our radar and I definitely saw it in the theater. I don't even remember it coming out. And, you know, I was seeing movies in the theater pretty regularly at that time. But I think also it's probably wasn't, you know, something that I was 
like hankering to see because I wouldn't have been able to see it with its R rating. Yes. Because I, I was a teenager, but I wasn't old enough to, to see R rated movies at the, at the in the theater. So that, that explains why I was going to the rental store who didn't care what I rented. Neither did my folks. So yeah, this movie does have an R rating, which is absurd yeah. considering <laughs> how sort of lighthearted and goofy it yeah. is, especially in comparison to the first two Evil Dead movies. And relatively low on gore. I mean, yes. it definitely still has some sort of scary moments, I guess. Not really. I mean, I guess if you're maybe, but it's not. It's it's really, it's not scary. And it's not nearly as gory as the other two. Not by leaps and bounds. Yeah, not even close. Yeah. As we were discussing when we were watching it, it did suffer at the hands of the MPAA, the Motion Picture uh, Association of America, that does the ratings. It was a bad time for that sort of thing coming out of the 80s. A lot of horror movies in the mid-80s got really savaged by the MPAA, and it was still going on at that point in the 90s. They had to keep cutting the movie down. At first, it got an NC-17 rating. Can you believe that? (laughs) That is just ludicrous. Yeah. Like, no. Just no. Yeah. The tone of this movie is so clearly tongue-in-cheek that to think of it as being really, truly violent and not slapstick cartoonishness is absurd to me. I think what we were discussing earlier, it was just the time. It was like, it was it was really heavy on, on censoring things and like, you know, like with the music industry and yep. stuff too. That was when the parent advisory labels were on everything. Yes, and it was. It was just, you know, thanks Tipper Gore. Yeah. <laughs> Al, we have Al Gore's wife to thank for a lot of this stuff. <laughs> I guess she meant well, but. I guess. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. And the fact that they had to keep cutting this down just to get an R rating is just an added layer of absurdity. No, I mean, and really watching it today with that eye of like, okay, well, maybe this, okay, maybe it's because of this. Like, I mean, you know, going through the film, I think we heard Bruce Campbell swear once. He said a couple of shits yeah. and he said one fuck, which is PG-13. Yeah. You can say fuck in a PG-13 movie. And I wasn't even counting the shits. I was counting I was counting the fuck and there was there was just one. Mm-hmm. The the quote unquote violence is it's just so cartoonish. It's yeah. not I mean, yeah, you actually, you know, if we were to you know, not to go off on a rant about violence, but I think we watched more violent cartoons. Yeah. Like in a way, you know, when when we were younger with like um Bugs Bunny and you know Looney Tunes and all of that, like or Tom and Jerry or whatever, you know, it's just it's it's I don't know. It's whatever. Yeah, you don't ever even really see swords piercing flesh no. or anything being hacked off or anything like that, which is, you know, this is a movie that takes place in the Middle Ages, supposedly. So, you know, there are bladed weapons. You would think that there could be more hacking and chopping, but you don't really see anything like that. I mean, it's not even close to being as gory as an average episode of Game of Thrones. Absolutely. So it's absurd. Not even close. No, and, and you know, not to spoil anything, but, you know, the, the Army of the Dead, there's not much to them. Yeah. So there's not, you know, there's not a lot of gore to come out of that as well. I mean, we're talking about bones. It's ridiculous. It is. And whoever delivered that rating should be ashamed of themselves. Shame. 
I hope they're dead <laughs> and they come back as a uh, animated corpse. That's right. Do you have anything else to say about the Evil Dead franchise? Just that I, I mean, you and I are both fans of also the um, remake, I guess. It was the, the remake that happened yep. in 2013. Was it 2013? Yep. Okay. Yeah. We, we both are fans of that. That is gory as hell. Yep. That's great. Um, and we both uh, also have enjoyed Ash versus the Evil Dead. Yep, we um, watched all of that. Yeah, it was such a fun show. And it was really, like, again, we we watched Army of Darkness today. We had watched it actually not too long ago either um, because it's always welcome here. But it just watching it today, I was like, man, I wish there was more Ash versus Evil Dead because it's just Bruce Campbell is just so much fun. But yeah, this movie... Definitely has kind of grown in my heart. I would not say that I'd necessarily think it's any greater of a movie than I ever have, but I've just come to love it more. It's sort of like a sort of raggedy item that you have laying around that you just have a lot of affection for. Like, oh, I've been through a lot with this raggedy item. (laughs) And we even saw it, I think, a year or two ago in the theater. Yeah, at the um, the Egyptian theater, they did a, a double feature with I can't remember what it was, but we we it wasn't it wasn't more Evil Dead. It was no. Army of Darkness and something else. But yeah, we 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 saw it on the big screen, and I I mean, like I said, it was my introduction to the franchise, so I have big love for it. And I mean, it's one of those movies that I could quote. Uh, and I have to hold myself back from doing that when I watch it with you <laughs> too much because I know it's like, who wants that? But I mean, I've seen it so many times and it's uh, it's it's like almost like how I feel about Hot Fuzz, which is, you know, you know how I feel about Hot Fuzz. I, I <laughs> but it's just, in the way that even though I've seen it multiple times, it's always going to make me laugh. It's definitely keyed right towards your sense of humor. 12-year-old boy. Yes, and your love of puns and stuff. <laughs> it's definitely not necessarily what I would consider my brand of humor. I have affection for it. Yeah. I think it's funny. I get little chuckles, but I'm not blown over by the <laughs> genius comedy the way I would be of, say, Hot Fuzz or yeah. an Edgar Wright comedy but i enjoy it nonetheless and i will say as a fan of evil dead 2 when i first saw it i was a little disappointed in the fact that it was so cartoonish it didn't have that sort of slapstick gore element of evil dead 2 but i've since forgiven it for that and learned to appreciate what it is doing and what it is doing is something silly and fun Yeah, and I I did mean to say, like, Edgar Wright's humor is a whole different thing. I just mean as far as how the film goes, as far as, like, Hot Fuzz and uh, Army of Darkness, I would say even Airplane. Like, there's just certain films that I can revisit and are going to get laughs out of me every time. I understood you weren't saying this is the same kind of humor. No. You're just saying I can put on this movie at any time and be entertained. Yes, it's going to put me in a a, a good mood regardless, yeah. All right, well, why don't we get into the movie? Let's get into it. So Army of Darkness starts off with our hero, Ash, and he's um, in headstocks and he's being led in a chain gang of medieval warriors. And we get sort of a brief recap of how he got there and... That is uh, the events of Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 sort of kind of mashed together. And 
The funny thing about this is that every Evil Dead movie, aside from the first one, Evil Dead 2 also has sort of a recap Mm -hmm. element to it. But it's always sort of with different actors and stuff. And at this point, we see like Ash going into the woods. We we see that he's a clerk at S-Mart, a sort of Kmart type retail store. And he's, you know, proud to be working there. Shop smart, S-Mart. And... We see him going to the woods with his girlfriend, now played by Bridget Fonda, interestingly. And this was right when Bridget Fonda was starting to become a big name at that time. She'd just done singles. And I think Single White Female was coming out around this time, Yeah, it was uh, 91, I believe. Yeah. So she was kind of a get, and we both were wondering why she Mm -hmm. is in this, because she's literally just in it for two quick little shots or or whatever so it's obviously a cameo that she did as a favor or something and this was also um like i said in the order that i had seen these films quite confusing when i did get to when i got to watch evil dead 2 and i was like bridget fonda's not in this oh that's funny you were expecting to see bridget fonda well because we get the recap that you know linda and i mean you know his girlfriend and all of that and it's not there nope (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you've got to let go of that kind of continuity concerns yeah. in the Evil Dead franchise. I, I know this now. Yeah, because <laughs> you really don't. You're not rewarded yeah. for lo- looking for that. But the important thing that we learn here pertaining to this movie is that there's this book called the Necronomicon. It's full of creepy, evil crap, and it resurrects demons and stuff. So That's right. That's the one consistency you yes. can count on. And then, you know, we are shown that Ash is sucked into a vortex and has ended up in this medieval setting. And he's been taken prisoner by this knight who is called Arthur. I mm-hmm. mean, I think that's probably just a King Arthur sure. reference yeah. or whatever. And he's warring with this other guy, uh, this ginger, Eric the Red. No, Henry the Red. Henry the Red. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's just, they have a conflict between them, and Ash has been mistaken for one of Henry the Red's men. That's right. We should probably talk a little bit just about Bruce Campbell, just to sort of, you know, set the tone of what kind of character Ash is. Bruce Campbell is a delight, is what he is. He's just, he's so great as Ash. Ash is a really cocky, selfish, self-centered man. Yeah. But he's just he's just this and and I feel like in Army of Darkness it's the hammiest of Ash. Yeah, and I and I love it and I'm just here for it. But yeah, he, you know Bruce Campbell's. We start off and he's like, you know, my name is Ash and I'm a slave and you know he's trudging along and and he's trying to tell Arthur that he's not part of Henry's crew and you know that that he's not from here and and no one's listening to him and and he's just you know just a total wise ass. He's always got a smart answer for anything anyone says. And these sayings that he says as Ash have become sort of nerd catchphrases like, give me some sugar and groovy baby. This character is now, I would say, considered iconic in horror fandom. Absolutely. We have an action figure of him. We sure do. I was thinking we need an Army of Darkness Ash, too. We do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he is now up there with Freddy and Jason. I mean, they were even planning at one point to do Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, (laughs) which would have been pretty cool. It never happened, but there is a comic book of it. 
but yeah, so he's now, this character is in the pantheon. Every horror nerd knows and loves Ash, and every horror nerd knows and loves Bruce Campbell. He has, you know, gone on to become one of the most famous B-movie actors of all time. He's got an amazing chin, yeah. which he likes to brag about. And he's, you know, a really handsome leading man type of guy. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, he could have been, you know, in, in the in a different era, could have been the leading man. Like he has that that matinee idol good looks, I would say. He's he's super handsome. Back in this time, I used to think if he could have been a more serious actor, I would have thought he could have made a really convincing Batman because oh, he, yeah, he's got the, the, the face the for chin. it. For sure. he's got the the, the cowl would be it. great. He's got dark hair. He looks actually a lot like Bruce Wayne is drawn in the comics. Oh, so cool. he used to be my choice as Batman. But over the years, he's just sort of settled into his kind of comedic persona that I can't really picture him being a serious actor. Although he was almost the Phantom, mm. but Billy Zane ended up um, okay. taking the role over him. He's really sort of cemented himself as sort of a comedic leading man, but he's really handsome and he's really magnetic and he's, you know, fun to watch. He's fun to follow on Twitter too. Oh, is he cool on yeah, Twitter? Yeah, he's great. So you, what happens is Ash gets brought to these medieval people's castle and in the castle there's this pit and there is some sort of creature in the pit and they're like throwing people into the pit and as ash is being led into this area inside the castle where there's this pit in the courtyard um we get the character of sheila played by Embeth davids mm -hmm. she went on to be in like schindler's list and stuff she ended up having a kind of more serious career so it's kind of funny to see her in this movie yeah because it's not if you have had not seen her in this movie like you've only known her from later stuff like yeah. it's just it's it wouldn't have been something that you would have expected her to show up in <laughs> right yeah she's not known for comedic performances but her brother was apparently in this battle and he was been killed and ash has been framed i guess you would say as one of henry's men so she's like hitting him and stuff as he goes past she's hitting him and pulling his hair like yeah. you can hear it ripping and she's just spitting in his face and just like just letting him have it as he goes by and he he gets over to the pit and he even like looks back at her and he's just like he's all beat up and yeah he's it's it yeah everyone is is hating on him there's, you know, they, they chuck somebody into the pit and, and then it's like dead silent and everyone is just waiting. And this is like probably the most blood that we see comes Definitely. like it's a, like a, a geyser of blood shoots out of, of the pit, which is, you know, it looks like a giant well. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes shooting out all over. And, and that's all, you know, like we don't see anything else, but that's like that's what's happening in the pit. There's clearly something terrible in the pit. So then they're like, well, throw this guy in the pit. And Ash's like, you got the wrong guy. And then Embeth David throws a rock, rock at him. his head. <laughs> <laughs> and it hits him in the head. And he's like, oh, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> and he's sort of teetering at the edge yep. of the pit. And then he falls in and we get a real classic sort of Sam Raimi crazy fight in this sort of watery pit with first it's like a male deadite and the demons in the Evil Dead series are called deadites yeah because they're like dead people who now have demons in them that's the basic idea and so he fights with this one demon guy and it's such a very slapsticky sort of funny fight and then 
one of the, the there's a sort of wise man they just call him the wise man who's like a wizard and he finds ash's chainsaw and so he's like strange one right strange <laughs> one and he throws down the chainsaw and we get this sort of co- comic shot of ash jumping up out of the water and just slipping his hacked off arm into the chainsaw it's so great i love it so much <laughs> Yeah, and so then he he kills the creature with the chainsaw, or he throws the creature against these spikes because they've added to this that now we're going to have a closing spike trap right. too, like walls of spikes closing in. So he, he throws the creature against the spikes, and then he takes out his belt and it, it whips it on this sort of pulley system that's bringing it back. It's ridiculous. I mean, this just doesn't make any sense. It's all ridiculous. And But he's being carried back up the pulley system, and then this other more mutated monster comes out of like the wall and attacks him but he gets pulled out of the pit and then the monster comes out of the pit and then i guess he finds his gun or i don't know how he has access to his gun actually like it it does it it's just all of a sudden he reaches behind him and it's like and it's he had it it's like was it there all no it was definitely not there all all. i think we're to assume that he it was lying around on the ground somewhere and he picked it up it's fine whatever he gets the gun and he you know blows this creature away and blows everyone's mind subsequently because they've never seen a gun, obviously. And they're just like, it's the chosen one. He calls it his boomstick. Yeah. And there's been many, many, many versions of all of the Evil Dead movies on DVD and Blu-ray. They, they're they famous for putting out zillions of different versions of the movies. And this movie is no exception. You can get like, I don't know, like five different versions of it. But... One edition is called the Boomstick Edition Mm -hmm. in in honor of what he christens his weapon, his gun. And it's funny because he does a whole spiel on what it is like it's a 12 gauge whatever with the walnut stock and this yeah he does like cobalt blue metal yeah he does like the whole like s smart breakdown as to like it retails for 109.95 you can find it at s you know like as the whole the whole spiel yeah, and he's like, shop smart, shop S smart, get it? Yeah, and, and they're all like, ooh. <laughs> and all the primitive screw heads, as he calls That's them, right. are sort of backing off. And he's, you know, he's going around threatening all of them. You want some? Come get some. Who wants some? You? You want to have a little? <laughs> it's just, it's so great. It's primo Ash and it's primo Bruce Campbell yes. just being this sort of aggravated jerk but so yeah he wins over these um medieval people you know they believe that he's some sort of chosen one that's going to save them from the deadites so ash gets to go in the castle and get fed grapes (laughs) by women and m beth davids has sort of realized that he's not one of henry's men at this point so she's sort of warming up to him and he's like first you want to kill me then you want to kiss me blow he tells her as he spits like a pit a cherry pit out or something whatever he's eating it's just yeah it's it's great he's a real boorish lout yes at that point the wise one and this arthur guy who's the king or something i guess is consulting with him and then this witch woman sort of appears in the room she's like you all die or whatever and there's it's just an excuse to have another sort of quick little fight right with a monster yes but what is sort of learned here is that they need to go get the Necronomicon, mm-hmm. which exists in this time. 
and they need Ash because he's the chosen one or whatever, yep. or the special one. What do they call him? Promised one? Is a it promised, promised is one. a promised one? Yes. Yeah. Because he's this special hero, he has to go get the Necronomicon from this haunted like place. Ash is sort of reluctant. He doesn't want to do any of this, but he's promised that this will be the way to get him back home. Yep. Ash is kind of, like I said, he's really selfish and self-centered and pretty lazy. So, you know, he's not going to do this out of the goodness of his heart to, like, just help these people. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about being a hero or anything. He just wants to go back to his time. And he's like, yeah, he's, you know, willing to hang around for a minute and, like, enjoy whatever food. I mean, he's, like, eating grapes. He eats, like, like, like this giant turkey leg or something i don't know i think it's a mutton leg whatever he's just like he's in just slurping down wine he's just yucking it up and you know he's not wanting to go on any sort of quest but he will do it because it serves him to get him back home the only other thing that really happens here is ash and sheila hook up oh ash uh he because he doesn't have a hand he can't be going around just with a chainsaw for a hand so they find his car i guess and he makes a mechanical hand for himself (laughs) well this is part of the really swell suit up scene that happens where he's getting his whole like you know his hand and his whole like gear together and and all of that yeah and it's really classic sam Raimi, where you're getting these quick shots of him putting this hand together and people watching and being impressed and stuff but you're sort of getting these zoom ups and close-ups of the hand close-ups of him working on it close-ups of the of and Beth David, like, being impressed. Close-ups of him grabbing a goblet of wine and crushing it, and everyone, ooh, and gasping. To your point about bringing up um, Edgar Wright, almost every Edgar Wright movie has a scene like this, at least in the Cornetto trilogy. Absolutely. There's always a sort of suit-up suit up scene. scene. That, and it's very homage to Raimi, as yes. far as the, the way that it's shot. Yes, very clearly homaging Raimi. I mean, Edgar Wright owes a huge debt to Raimi. A lot of his style is homaging Raimi. He's his own guy, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. No. But he loves Sam Raimi, and you can tell in every movie he makes. Who doesn't love Sam Raimi? Uh bad people very bad people shame sam raimi may be my favorite director of all time i i think he's worthy i mean i i don't think he's the greatest director of all time but but he can be your favorite i just love his style well you're also such a fan of his spider-man films i love his spider-man yeah so I, i think it's worthy yeah i mean just in terms of the director who's done the most movies that i enjoy and whose style i just really enjoy watching it may be sam raimi did he do spider-man 3 he did yes Uh oh let's not open up that can of worms the spider-man 3 sorry worms but yes i don't hate spider-man 3 either i I really enjoy spider-man 3 (laughs) (laughs) oh dear here we go um but anyway yeah so we're getting a lot of cool raimi isms um with the suit up scene and yeah we've find out that ash is so mechanically inclined that he can create a mechanical hand for himself even in the middle ages so you have to wonder like ash has really been sort of wasting his talents just working at smart you know he could be making really highly effective prosthetics for hey, people look ash is a classic underachiever he really is you know if ash it would only work up to his potential 
I can relate. <laughs> so can I. I've heard, <laughs> I've, I've heard this phrase before. I definitely. Maybe that's why he's a hero. Yeah. <laughs> that's why he's a hero to us. <laughs> But yeah, the other thing that sort of happens in this little sequence is that him and M. Beth Davids finally, or not finally, because it's only been a few minutes of movie, but they sort of hook up. Well, I think it's after she she comes in with, um, when he's still kind of, you know, tinkering with his hand, and she comes in and she's like, you know, I, I made this for you. And he's like, great, I need a horse blanket. Yeah, she's made him like a cape or a shirt yeah, or something. Yeah, and then she she slaps him. Because, yeah. you know, she's had enough of his, his guff. And then, you know, in, in classic fantasy type. Trope. A trope of like, you know, the, the romance of, you know, it's so passionate. Right. Like, you know, that he goes he goes over to, she's in the doorway and he like grabs her and she's slumping like in his arms. And that's when he's like, give me some sugar, baby. Yeah. I wouldn't count their romance as one of the classics of cinema or anything. No, it's not one for the ages. But I mean, in every <laughs> Evil Dead movie, he has a love interest. Yeah. So they've got to have a it's love gotta interest here. got to be Sheila. Here. Yeah. So um, Ash goes off with Arthur and the, the wise one, and they go off to where um, this haunted area of the forest is. And the wise one tells him, okay, you know, once you arrive where the book is, you have to say these three magic words, which are Klatu, Veratu, or Klata, Veratu, Niktu, or Verata, Niktu. I can't even say it. <laughs> well, you know what would happen if you went to go get the book? I would screw up. I would absolutely screw up. And, and actually, I thought about this, but I guess it's because, you know, we're in sort of medieval times. I'm like, I 100% would have written this down. I would have somehow carved it on my arm or so, there's something like, there's no way. I still can't remember the words. I've seen this a gazillion times. Those words are actually the first words spoken by the alien in the movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, and which... Which was, or it's like the name of the aliens, uh, something. It's it's from that movie. Okay. Those three words. So that's sort of like Sam Raimi's homage to that. I still can't remember the words in their entirety, so I would totally fuck this up. Klatu Verata Nictu, or Nicto. It's the Nick one that's hard. Yeah, well, and that's, that's the, the one, one that Ash has up. trouble with, too. Yes. So Ash goes off into the woods on his horse, on his steed, and our dog Annie was very happy to see some horses. She loves, loves horses on the big screen. And I think at that point she did jump down and go put her paws up, like right in front of the TV, which is really cute. Yes, she loves to watch horses on TV, which is good because I watch a lot of Westerns and Westerns and medieval medieval fantasy stuff. Yeah, she enjoys watching those things with Mm -hmm. me. So he goes off to this haunted uh, woods and we get a lot of shots here, sort of classic Sam Raimi going through the woods shots. I, I did want to say one thing, though, is when he is going over the words, the wise one is like making sure he's like he wants him to repeat it like multiple times and he repeats it like twice. Yeah. And then the third time he was like, I got it. I got it. Yeah. And it's just so like it's so perfect for who he is. Yeah. Because, you know, he's of course he doesn't have it. Nope. But yeah, and the, 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 you know, the wise one was very specific about this. You have to say the words exactly. Yeah, that's setting up something rather important. Yes. So yeah, he, he goes riding off into this haunted forest. Mm-hmm. 
And we get a lot of shots here hearkening back to the classic shots from the Evil Dead movies where, you know, there's this camera just sort of zooming through the woods. And, it you know, in this movie, there's literally like tr- tree trunks breaking apart and everything. And this signifies the presence of evil yeah. sort of hunting Ash. So this th- sort of throws him into a tizzy because this evil force is is coming after him and he at one point gets knocked off his horse because he runs into like a low-hanging tree mm-hmm. branch very slapsticky but he ends up retreating to this windmill mm-hmm. and this is definitely sort of set up to be sort of the cabin section of the movie where we're getting the the cabin in the woods sort of evil dead scenario again albeit it's much shorter <laughs> it's just a little segment of this movie and very ramey shots also of the one mill. yeah we're getting like the way that the, the one mill shot where he goes in there and like the, the angle that it's at and everything well not only that once he goes inside the windmill he like closes the door behind him and he's leaning up against the door and he's, they're doing all those crazy yep. zoom ins on him that they do in, in evil, evil dead, dead and yep. all that you know it's doing a lot of sort of replays from yeah. the Evil Dead movies. But then we sort of, uh, there's a sort of slapsticky series of events that follows where Ash is now being harassed by evil demon spirits in one form of the, or another. Most prominently, there's a mirror in the, in the uh, windmill and he it spooks him or whatever for some reason well because it's it's him but it's not him looking at it like he right. realizes that it's like something's up with something's it. up with the mirror because like he's in a different position and he's yeah. making a different face and then the mirror is doing something else and so it freaks him out he breaks the mirror and then we get all the ashes little ashes yeah, he breaks the mirror and because in every little shard there is a reflection of him these reflections all come to life. So we get a sort of Gulliver's Travel-like sequence where there are now all these little mini ashes and they've got mini voices and everything, high voices because they're small. Mm -hmm. And it's just a lot of just silliness from Mm -hmm. Bruce Campbell. Funny thing is I never noticed before till this viewing that when we're seeing all these... Uh, little ashes running around and it's done very much in the old school style of rear screen projection or whatever Mm -hmm. that they used to do back in the day now of course it would all be done with cg all these sort of um, different techniques were all done you know like the old gulliver's travel movie later on we're going to get stop motion that's done like ray harryhausen yep These are all deliberate old techniques that he's using, you know, in 1991 or whatever Mm -hmm. to homage the movies he grew up with and loved. Yeah. And a lot of the comedy is clearly... Three Stooges. Three Stooges. (laughs) I mean, literally just some of their gags. Yes. But done with these characters or whatever. Yeah. What I did notice this time, which I'd never noticed, is when you see the groups of ashes Mm -hmm. sort of tormenting him, the different things they do, usually... There's only really one Bruce Campbell, and he's kind of the center of it. And the other ashes around him are actually people wearing, like, Bruce Campbell masks. Yeah, which... I actually noticed that today, too, where they're just, like, a little bit off. Yeah. Like, it's it's not. There's definitely, like, a ash. Yes. But then there's, like, others that kind of look like him, but they're just not 
100% him. They're obviously like stuntmen or different yeah. performers that they've just kind of put on some prosthetics. Because, I mean, when you see them, they're they're small. So they're not, you know, they're, it's not like you're getting close-ups of them. And they're, you know, they're usually the there's a big Bruce Campbell also in the frame being harassed or tormented. You know, at one point they get a fork and ram it into his butt. And yeah. <laughs> And they, you know, he falls onto like a hot stove. And his face gets stuck and he has to use a spatula to like get his face off of the thing. It's just like nonstop gags. Yeah. They actually do the Gulliver's Travel thing where they tie him down to the floor. And then one of them jumps into his mouth. Swan dives into his mouth. Yeah. That's right. And that is the one that goes into him and will become evil Ash and then becomes the villain of the movie. But. I will say that when I was in my early 20s and I first saw this, I was kind of like, oh, God, like this was a little much for me. Oh, I can totally understand that. Like, first of all, had I seen the other films prior to this and then had I been just a little bit older, I think I might have been like, I don't know about this. Yeah. You know, it would have been that feeling like I don't think I would have been out but I would have been kind of like, uh, you know, it's just that feeling when, you, when with a franchise, especially where, you know, it's like you've come to expect like a certain thing from it. Yeah. Then they throw in something like this. And it's just kind of like where you're you're just like, ah, I was on board, but now I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's it's just <laughs> clearly aiming for like younger yeah. audience, much younger than like somebody who was watching the Evil Dead movies. Like, exactly. Now we're going back to like 10-year-old humor. So yeah, at the time I wasn't super into it. It also reminded me a lot of the movie Willow. There mm-hmm. are these mini brownie characters in Willow that pretty much do the same kind of shenanigans and they're done the same way. And it reminded me of that. And I wasn't a huge fan of Willow. So I was kind of like, this reminding me of Willow. And Yeah, Willow wasn't my... Because that was like... I always get confused because there was Labyrinth. And then there was the one that Tom Cruise was in. Legend. Legend. And then Willow. And I feel like they all came out like right around the same time. And Willow was like my least favorite of those, just for the record. Willow's (laughs) the one with um, Val Kilmer and Warwick Davis. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a great movie. Anyway, now I can sort of appreciate this for what it is. I've come around to enjoying it more than I did then. And, you know, and it results in Ash being possessed by Mm -hmm. this other entity. And what I do love about it is when Ash pours hot water down his throat to kill, supposedly Mm -hmm. to kill the little guy that got in him. But then he realizes that something's wrong and he sort of rips off the the shirt on his shoulder and you see this eyeball on his shoulder so much that is an homage to a 1950s horror movie called the manster which i saw on creature double feature as a kid it's same exact thing this guy suddenly there's this eyeball on this guy's shoulder so totally freaked me out as a kid so when i saw that i was like Oh, I know exactly the movie he's referencing there. You know, I haven't, I've heard of The Manster, but I don't think I've seen The Manster. But what it reminded me of was, remember that it's that collection from Stephen King where it has the hand bandage? Oh, yeah, Night Shift. Right. But wasn't there, were there eyes yes. on the, I, I can't remember the story, which story that is. It's not a story. It's just the cover. It's just the cover of yeah. it. Okay. But I, I think I had that book or something, or I had access to it or something, but that's, that's what it reminded me. 
yeah. of. I don't I didn't have a reference for the manster, but that's that's what I thought of. Well, yeah, and then when Ash literally grows another head, that's totally the manster. So yeah, he grows another head and he goes running out of the uh, windmill and he you know basically tears himself in half. And now we have evil Ash and regular Ash, and they have this really silly scene where it's like, you're good, Ash. I'm bad, Ash. You're little goody two-shoes. Little goody two-shoes. Little goody two-shoes. And he's like, just doing this little jig. Yeah. <laughs> and he like zooms in on his feet. And he, like good Ash is even just like, what the fuck? Like his face is just like, what is happening here? They sort of fight and have this sort of slapsticky little fight. And then Ash like shoots badass right in, in the, the face, face. Yeah. right in the face <laughs> and then he then he proceeds to um to tie him down and gets and it's like also again very very ramy as far as the steps go where he's like you know tying him down and then we get a shot of like the chainsaw coming up yeah and he's like you know hacks hacks badass to pieces and then puts Badash in a bag and he's like going out and again it's very evil dead shots, you know, digging the grave and just the the, the zoom in and cuts and throws the, the bag in there and the the head rolls out and he's like, You'll never get the Necronomicon, you'll die and you know, and Ash is just has the shovel and he goes, Hey, you got something on your face. And he's like, huh? And he just like, or hey, what's that on your face? And then and Badash is like, huh? And he just tosses dirt on it. Yeah, it's he so, shovels dirt on his so, face. So, that so. actually was the moment that gave me the most chuckle this time. It's, so, <laughs> well, it's, it's such a like dad joke, it but it's is. so mean. You know, it like, is. hey, you got something on your face. What? And then, yeah, a big pile of dirt big goes right in the Badash's face. Yeah, it's it's so, so silly, but it, it gets me every time. So he buries bad ash and even gives him like a nice little crucifix (laughs) i was kind of like why bother taking the time to do that but oh well oh well it's funny and then he he goes off to the graveyard where the books are the book is yeah and when he gets to the graveyard there's three books so he doesn't know which one to take and then one of them there's this like vortex that he gets sucked into yep. and pulls himself out and then he's got this crazy elongated face, face. that stretches his arms and everything. And- yeah, and like K&B did some of the effects. I guess, I guess there were two um, companies that shared the effects and K&B did a lot, of, I think, of that stuff and they did the like skeleton oh, stuff. Cool. So yeah, there's it's just sort of a little goofy scene um, and then the next one he tries to open and bites his mm-hmm. hand and f- he freaks out but it's all just a setup to you know land upon the third book which is the actual necronomicon and that's when he's got to say the magic words and he just blows it yeah he says the, the first, first two, two and then he realizes he can't really remember the, the last one he's like neither can i ash he's trying he's trying to figure it out and then he says the words again and then he Instead Cough. of saying Nikto or Nikto, he goes. <laughs> yeah, I like coughs into it. And then he's like, well, there, I did it. I'm going to take the book now. Yeah, like calling out <laughs> to the spirits or whatever. And he takes the book and it turns out it wasn't good enough. No, all hell breaks loose, literally. Basically what happens is by taking the book, now he has summoned the army of the dead. Yep. 
and we get a really slapsticky scene where he falls down in the graveyard and there are skeleton hands just coming up out of the ground. I mean, they're just really silly skeleton hands and they're poking him in the ears and they're doing the three stooges Stooges. thing. He does the thing where he holds up his hand to block the two fingers coming out his, his eyes, eyes, which was a classic Three Stooges move. And they like pull out, like pull on his tongue and stuff. Yeah, and... super cartoony. Yeah. I mean, I also think at the time when I first saw this, I was kind of rolling my eyes it at this yeah, gag. But again, now I kind of love it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so then after that, he rides back to the castle and, you know, the guys there are sort of like, did you say the words? And he's like, I said them, you know? Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> the, the wise one actually says, he's like, did you say every word? And he's like, maybe not every syllable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I said them. He's like, now send me back, like in the deal. Yeah, like in the, <laughs> the deal. deal. And, and they're just, everyone's so disappointed in him, which is like a reoccurring theme, especially um, the television series. Yeah. Like, it's just so laying into, like, Ash constantly disappointing the people that are depending on him to do the right thing. Yeah. And he's, you know, it, it's just, yeah, it's a common theme with the character. So everyone is so disappointed. You know, and Beth Davis is, she's just, you know, it's it's just the moment where Ash is just wanting to, and they're like, "We're we're men of our word. We'll we'll send you back." You know, even though you know you're, you're they're bringing the army of the dead to right. you know to kill us or whatever. And Ash is like, "Well, that was the that was the deal." And M. Beth David is really expressing disappointment to him, and he's like, "Look, what do you want from me? I'm not a hero or whatever. Yeah. I never said I was a hero." And then what happens is this deadite, flying deadite, comes out of the sky. As sort of like the first sort of attack on the castle, and it grabs her up. But we did forget one one great line before that happens is because she's like, but what if all the sweet words that we said in private? And he's like, oh, well, that's just what we call pillow talk, baby. Yeah. She's like, it was more than that. And, you know, she's all upset. And then, yeah, we get this demon creature flying above the castle and... and coming for her yeah it's like this winged demon creature and it attacks the castle and it ends up grabbing her and carrying her away to evil ash who is now leading the army of the deadites i'm not exactly sure if this is bruce campbell i think it is i don't know i mean it'd be it kind of i mean it sounds like him but it would be it's hard to tell because i mean there's so much makeup yeah it's basically he's covered in this sort of uh, monster makeup yeah it's fine it's not as expressive as i think it could be i wonder if it is him all the time just because you don't really hear his voice they've got like another voice sometimes it sounds like him sometimes it doesn't well i mean it's it sounds like him in this in the way that the lines are delivered but it's kind of a more gravelly type demon voice or whatever you know it's not totally him i think it was interchanged a lot with different performers and but i think the scene where he where M. Beth David is brought into his possession. I think that's him, because that seems like him. And he says the line to her again there. He's like, give me some sugar, baby. Right. You know, and she's like, ah! And she gets turned into some sort of demoness sure. or something. Yeah. It's not really... It's not really clear, but no. who cares? <laughs> who cares? Who cares? <laughs> but, you know, he is organizing his army of the dead, and the army of the dead are, you know, dead people who are rising up from the graveyard. Um, some of them are just straight up skeletons. Majority of them are. Yeah. Some of them are sort of half decomposed. So you have like people in like decomposed body outfits, 
but you also have these puppet skeletons. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you have um, Ray Harryhausen style stop motion yes. animation skeletons. So it's a combination of all these different effects. And it's not realistic looking no. by certainly not by today's standards. But it's super charming. Oh, it's it's a delightful. Yeah, it's it's great. It's not realistic in any way, shape, or form. But it's it's really paying homage to to Harryhausen, and it's it's a fun fun time. And I appreciate that they are doing all these different techniques. So you're not always getting the same thing. It's yeah. not always animated. It, you know, sometimes they're just like you carrying like a skeleton in front of the camera and it's like a puppet and you know, it'll they'll say some funny thing, you know, they they yeah. talk like they're pirates they're or something. They're probably like pirates. That's yeah. what yeah, it was very much like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. type thing. Yeah, they're not really talking like medieval warriors. No. They're talking more like pirates, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Ash then is convinced because of the taking of uh, Sheila, I yeah, guess. I think so. I think it's Sheila getting taken away that like makes him, turns a corner and then he's like, okay, I'm going to stay and fight. Yeah. And he has a plan and, you know, he, he goes and, and he sells the, the, the rest of the, the people on, because um, they were like, we're only 50 men or something like that. And he's like, then we'll get Henry the Red to help. And they're all like, <gasps> but then they, you know, agree that that's the thing to do. Yeah, he has that moment where he's standing in front yeah, of them. Very, and, you know, his Braveheart type. Yeah, yeah rallying <laughs> the troops and everybody's like, who's with me? And oh, we yeah. get that shot of <laughs> yeah. where you see the different people. And then one guy raises, I think the blacksmith yeah. is the first one. To say you like, have my whatever, whatever hammer, and then we get a shot of Sam's brother Ted, Ted. Raimi, and he's like, "And you can have my sword!" Like clearly a yeah. dubbed in yeah. voice that sounds like uh, Patrick Stewart or something. Something, like, and he's got like he's totally got like the medieval bangs. Yeah, it's guys, funny. like blonde. It's it's great. If you're a fan of the Raimis and you know Ted, his brother, who always shows up in all of his movies, it's a fun moment. because yeah. it's so goofy. It, it's super goofy. Then they proceed to. Ash's car, which it, he pops the trunk and he's got like all kinds of stuff in there. He's got like chemistry 101. Yeah. And you saw the Vangoria magazine this yep. time and gasoline. And so he's just like gathering stuff together. They're souping up his car. They're like making gunpowder. And yeah. it's just he's sort of training them, <laughs> even though, like, <laughs> like I mean, even though are... they know how to fight. I right? know. Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> what is he going to show them? He works at a S Mart. I know. I know. I, th I thought that was that's really funny too where he's like ha ha you know they're doing these like, like these march pole moves, pole moves or, something. or something and i'm like i think they've got the fighting covered like just give them the souped up weapons and that that'll be fine yeah if anything they should be training him yeah what does he know but it's yeah, funny it is funny so yeah he's getting everybody trained and they're just preparing and and this is when i was telling sebastian i was like is this just as exciting as the the battle of um black the battle of the bastards or battle something? of the bastards or whatever it was battle of blackwater <laughs> yeah and game of thrones like they're shooting arrows with gunpowder yeah at at these skeletons which is making them explode yep they're 
also they have like like all kinds of shit they have like big boulders that they're yep. somehow able to hold up and they're like now rocks and they're like throwing rocks off the castle and yeah the skeleton army at one point gets a battering ram to batter through the castle and they're throwing right rocks and it was like a tree it's definitely a tree because you see like roots hanging off the edge this stuff is goofy fun but i definitely at this point of the movie i mean we're, we're already in our climax it should yeah. be said that this movie is uh breezy hour and 20, 20 minutes. minutes i guess depending on what version you watch yeah. not a long movie no. so we're already in our kind of big action climax which is all taking place at this castle siege and as you know some of it i kind of like start to kind of tune out it's oh, yeah. just like a bunch of people running around and it's fun to see the skeletons doing stuff and that sort of thing but it's all shot at night and it's all just kind of standard standard medieval battle yeah. kind of stuff but then the classic comes out and they've souped up the classic into this sort of like <laughs> war machine that's got like a big fan in the front. That's right. and like, you know, Ash is like whooping it up, just riding around. Running over skeletons. Yeah. Sh- shooting them as well with his boomstick. And, you know, it's it, yeah, it's just it's it's great. And then. You know, he's he's having a, a good time and much success with this until he rolls up on Sheila. Yeah. And Sheila does not have her her demon face on at this point. She's like, you know, the the wind is blowing and her her hair is in the breeze and you know, her her dress is flowing and she's beautiful again and he's like, "Sheila," you know, and he stops the car and that yeah, was a bad move. Yeah, because then she demons out That's and attacks right. him. And it should be said, the reason why the Deadites and the, the army of the dead are attacking is because they're trying to get the next. They want their book back, yes. Which is in the castle. Why they need it, I don't really know, but they want it, so that's what well, they're doing. Well, I mean, it was in their their place before. I mean, I don't know. They want it back. Yes. So, yeah, Ash is having to deal with the demon version of Sheila. And at one point, he sort of, like, she's attacking him on the one of the ramparts or whatever, and she's like once you found me beautiful and he's like <laughs> you got real ugly baby and then she like charges at him and he sort of spears her mm-hmm. and throws her over the side yeah i'd sort of forgotten that she then is resurrected at the end and yep. i was like is that the end of sheila like that's brutal like yep. because in the other evil dead movies was his girlfriends, girlfriends do not fare well no they get possessed and then he has to, to kill, kill them, them. So, yes that would be sort of par for the course. Yeah. But yeah, he's got to f- you know, hold off the attack and he's, you know, he's got to fight evil Ash. That's right. Ke- they're keeping the Necronomicon in this part of the castle that's sort of up on a rampart or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they do the classic fighting on the staircase, the sort of Errol Flynn mm-hmm. thing. And there's actually some pretty fun moments here just because Bruce Campbell at this point has two swords mm-hmm. and he's fighting with Evil Ash and then this other dead guy and they're going up and down the stairs and he's fighting them both. I'm sure it's completely like taken verbatim from like Robin Hood, or Adventures of Robin yeah. Hood or something like that. It's cool. And mm-hmm. you can tell that they rehearsed it and like Bruce is doing a pretty good yeah. job wielding two swords at once. I appreciated his commitment to this, this scene. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it all basically comes down to he's battling um, with uh, evil Ash and at one point, he 
like, lights him on fire or something, and he falls off the side of one of the ramparts. So you think he's dead, but then he comes back, and mm-hmm. now he's just a full-on skeleton. With these really cool eyes. Yeah, these really cool <laughs> eyes. And they, they do this sort of silly thing where he like punches the skeleton, and yeah. the skeleton's head goes into full... Like slot machine? <laughs> yeah, three, yeah, his eyes do like slot machine stuff. His head spins around in yeah. a 360. Super comical. Very cartoony. Yeah. But it also gives them the opportunity to have Ash fight with him, Ray Harryhausen style, as like a stop motion skeleton, like something you would see in the old Sinbad movies and stuff like that. And then somehow, I can't remember exactly what happens, but evil Ash lands on like this catapult. They have this catapult loaded down with gunpowder or whatever explosives. Yeah, the evil Ash skeleton gets the Necronomicon. Mm -hmm. And lands on this catapult, and he's like, "Ha ha ha! Yeah, like, <laughs> I've I've got the Necronomicon. You're doomed, yeah. or whatever." And then Ash says something funny. I forget what he says. I can't remember what he says, but yeah, it's a, it's a he's good got a it's, line. A, it's a line for it. And then he cuts his arm or something. Somehow he gets... He grabs a sword that's on the ground. He cuts off uh, Evil Ash's arm. Catches the Necronomicon. Catches the Necronomicon and then throws a torch into the thing or whatever and then cuts the rope that's holding the catapult down. So that shoots Evil Ash up into the air with the gunpowder and he explodes. Explodes, yes. So Ash has saved the day. Um, M. Beth Davids, Sheila, is miraculously restored to her normal, beautiful self. Although we did notice her hair was doing something weird. Yeah, it was. It was. It was completely different. Um, I mean, no big deal, whatever. But it was like she's on the ground and she wakes up and she's back to being beautiful, Sheila. And then next, like, cuts to like she's getting up off the ground and like her hair's wet. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, so it's a weird continuity, continuity thing, yeah. And everyone's happy, and then uh, Arthur and Henry the Red reconcile. They have a, a hug. Yep. So, like, you know, now everything's cool between them. It's just all that's left is for Ash to get to go home. Yes, so we will have to discuss now two endings that's of right. the movie, because there are famously two endings, the ending they originally intended and then the ending that they had to redo because I think it was um, Universal did not like the ending that they they gave us. And we should say this was produced by Dino De Laurentiis. How many Dino De Laurentiis? We have covered so many <laughs> Dino De Laurentiis movies. And I only really bring him up because he was the one who was willing to give them the money to complete the Evil Dead trilogy the way they wanted to. So we do owe Dino a debt of thanks for this. And um, it was also because uh, the Dark Man had come out the year before, and that was put out by Universal. And um, part of the deal was if Dark Man did well, Sam would get to do Army of Darkness. Oh, cool. Which he originally titled Medieval Dead. Love that title. I really do. I wish it was called that, but Universal was like, no, that's not a good title. Universal, you were wrong. Yeah, Universal kind of messed this movie up a yeah. little bit. We'll Medieval talk about Dead that later. Would have been great. Yeah, Medieval Dead is perfect. It just but rolls anyway, right off the tongue. I know, and it's like, how could it not be called yeah, Medieval it's, Dead? It's, but I'm really kind of, I kind of wish I didn't know this. Sorry. That's okay. No, just kidding. <laughs> so the, fir- the, the, the ending that you would see on the version that got released into theaters and the version that we have on our Blu-ray 
is they tell Ash that he they give him this potion or something. I'm not. Or is that only in the other? No, version? it's potion in both. There's a potion but in both. In the the one that is on the the release that we have, and that was the theatrical release, and the one that I saw on VHS as well. They they give him this potion, and they tell him that he has to say the words. Yes. Again. So he has to say the three words that I can't remember again once he drinks the potion and then he'll go back to his time. Right. And so all we really get is this brief scene of him saying goodbye to Sheila and then riding off. And then we just fade right into back to present day and we're back at Esmart and he's telling Ted Ramey, yes. who's another Smart employee, the story. Like he's just been telling him this ridiculous story of what happened the yes. whole time. And then Ted Ramey's like, Well, did you remember to say the words right? And he's like, Well, well, I got it pretty, pretty much, much right. Yeah. And then there's this cute girl at the store who's asking for his help or whatever. But then this other customer suddenly turns around and she's a possessed evil dead witch or whatever. So we just get this action scene where she's attacking Ash and he's fending her off with a shotgun that he grabs from the sporting goods section. And they do some really kind of crazy acrobatics like she's like flipping oh, yeah. around in the air and stuff um annie was very interested in she this sure part. was and then like ash is on a cart yeah. like going down the aisle shooting at her really fast yeah it's actually pretty great sam raimi action yeah so you can really tell that he was like all right well if i'm gonna have to film an upbeat ending i'm gonna do something crazy yeah so I appreciate it for that because it is just completely an over-the-top action scene right at the end. And so he kills the the evil demon with the shotgun or whatever. And then – and by the way, this shotgun fires a ridiculous amount of times. There would never be that many shots in a shotgun. It looks like he's actually – it's a shotgun, but the way that he's shooting it, it looks like a BB gun. Yeah. Or something – you know what I mean? Like an air rifle? Yeah. Like it's – yeah, anyway – I don't know much about guns. It's but. definitely not. It does not clear the gun test of like being accurate as yeah, a firearm. I mean, whatevs. Who cares? So he, he kills the demon witch woman and then the cute girl is like grateful that he saved mm-hmm. her. And he pulls her into his arms and you hear this voiceover about how like I could have stayed a, there and yeah. I could have been a king. That's right. But maybe really I am a king. And he like rips off his, his <laughs> like smart, smart shirt. shirt and he's got this like like cool blue hero shirt underneath it's or like whatever. a nicer version of what you know he was wearing in evil dead 2 which got even rattier in army of darkness it's like a, a nice like sleek version of that kind of yeah it's like sort of like a soldiery yeah. looking thing i don't know it's yeah. r- ridiculous yeah. but he's and he pulls her to him and says hail to the king baby and kisses her the end yeah, and hail to the king is like becomes a phrase that Ash is famous yeah. for. I mean, it's I think it's like a Elvis thing or whatever. Yeah. So that's that's the end of the theatrical version. But then the original version, which is available, as you were mentioning, I think it is available on since they put out so many different versions yeah. of this. You can actually get a version. You can watch the movie with this ending. 
in some version. Right. I think I had it at one point. I might have too. We had so many copies between the two of us. I don't know if you remember, but you went no. to like Amoeba and I got rid like of a lot got because we had so many. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Different like multiples. Yeah. So the original version, which we you can the version that we have now the, of the Blu-ray set or whatever, you can watch as an alternate ending. And you know we're back. Uh, in the medieval times, they give him the potion, same thing, except for this time the instructions are he's supposed to take six drops. Yeah. And then he's going to sleep for centuries. Right. Which I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably like one drop per century or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's maybe. supposed to get him back to Back the to his time. time. And, and that's, that's really all he has to do is just kind of sleep it off and then he'll be back at his time. So we see the same type leave where he, you know, says goodbye to Embeth David and um, gallops off. But instead of now cutting to Smart, now we're cutting over to like this cave. Yeah, it's a cave. And he like rolls his, his kind of beat up the classic yep. into the cave and, you know, says goodbye to the some of the knights that are there or whatever. Has an explosion. Yeah, he's got dynamite in the cave. He basically caves in the cave so that he's trapped in the cave. Yeah. With the car. So, you know, so he won't be discovered. Right. At some point sure. during these centuries. That, that he's, he's sleeping yes. through. And then he starts with the drops and he's being very careful and he's counting and he's like, one, two, three, four, five, and something distracts him. Yeah, the rocks suddenly move, the cave-in rocks move, and he's distracted by it for a second. So then he goes back, and he's like, five, six. So he does an extra drop. He accidentally gives himself an extra drop. And then he goes to sleep. Yes, and so we get this fun little <laughs> montage of time going by, and like he's getting covered in spider webs yep. as he sleeps, and his beard grows really hair. long, his hair grows really long, and then he we're wakes up. Sunsets, sunrises, yeah. winters, yeah, all this yeah, yeah, is yeah. like just you know we're getting, you're definitely getting that time is passing. Right, this silly time yeah. passing montage. And then he wakes up and he climbs his way out of the cave and he is in a post-apocalyptic <laughs> wasteland. And it's like, you see like Big Ben in ruins or whatever. So it's, presumably he was in England, I, I guess. guess. Yeah. And yeah. And he's just like, no, I slept too yeah. long. I slept too long. You know, and it's totally silly. But it sets up a possible fourth movie where yes. it would be Ash in a post-apocalypse setting. Which would be great. Which I wish they made because yep. that would just be the best. And I mean, I remember at the time it was pretty well known that this had been the ending. So I remember hearing about it and being like, oh, man, I wish they had had that be the ending. And then when it finally came out on Blu-ray and they were or DVD and they were including all the different endings, I finally got to see it as a fan of post-apocalyptic stuff. This is stuff, your jam. I, I love this ending. I just love the whole concept of it. And it's not dark. Like no. Universal didn't like it because they thought it was too much of a downer ending. It's certainly not as much of a downer ending as Planet of the Apes, not to spoil <laughs> the ending of the original Planet of the Apes, but it's a similar type of thing. Right. This is like the silly version yes. of that. It's a totally cartoonishly no, silly and version. He, he says it's like, I slept too long. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. like it's it's totally funny. It's not it's not a bummer. Whoever was running Universal at the time had their heads up their butts. Sure. But 
what they did come up what they did come up with works yes. fine too like i'm not mad at the theatrical version no. either it's still fun in its own way yes they're both fun endings ultimately i would have preferred the po- post-apocalyptic one just because i like the idea of it and i just think it's clever and funny yeah but i do love the s smart ending too well and i would say you know we didn't get you know a fourth evil dead film but from the way that that ends at s smart we did kind of we got ash versus evil dead right you know because that's kind of where it's picking up there because he still works at s smart right so if you're a fan of ash versus evil dead you probably prefer the s smart ending because the post-apocalyptic ending would not have made any sense no in that but i mean that's army of darkness yep when it came out it cost about $12 million, and it made, in the end, in the U.S., about $12 million. According to Wikipedia, it ended up making $21 million worldwide, which would mean that it more or less recouped its money. I mean, I think due to video sales and stuff like that, I'm sure it definitely yeah. made its money back because they've put out so many friggin' versions mm-hmm. of this this movie. Is it a financial failure? I think you could argue no, but it certainly opened to like dismal box office. It opened to like four million. I remember at the time being like, oh, that movie tanked, didn't it? Mm-hmm. So that was sort of the impression at, at the time that it did not, it did not do well. And I think there's a few reasons for that. One of the big reasons, I think, was that um, it was originally supposed to come out in the summer of 1992. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, Universal pushed it back and they ended up dumping it in February, which Ugh. at the time, February was known as like, that's where you put all your shitty movies. Well, yeah, I mean, that I, I immediately reacted to that because I feel like that's especially in horror world yeah like that's usually not a good time for technically for a movie to come out right but we always tend to like that time because we get movies that we like tend to enjoy oh no i i'm i'm not saying that we don't enjoy it it's <laughs> a it, it was traditionally known as a dumping ground for bad movies because you're coming out of the award season. It's the beginning of the year. They're saving all their big blockbusters for the summer, but they're, and then they're saving all their prestige movies for the end of the year. Yeah. So this is when you just dump your crap. So they ended up dumping it in February, which I think hurt it. You know, had it come out in the summer of 1992, I think it would have fared a little bit better because it's sort of a fun summer it's movie definitely more of a fun summer movie and i was just looking at a list of other films that came out in 92 and actually um single white female did come out in 92 so it was the same year i thought it was 91 for some reason but um buffy the vampire slayer came out in 92 which is kind of in a similar vein to similar this vibe, you know yeah. as far as horror comedy type thing goes the Lawnmower Man also came out oh, this year. <laughs> Such fine films. Yeah, but it's, you know, there were um, a lot of action films at that time. There wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of... And actually, wow, Singles came out in 92 also. I was thinking it was 91, so it was really Bridget Fonda's time. Right, so she might not have even been a thing when she yeah. shot the yeah. the stuff that she did for this movie. And, and I, what I was reading was the stuff that she was in was all sort of reshoot stuff, so... 
I think she maybe just had not been become a big star at that point. But uh, yeah, so I think that when they put it out was unfortunate. They basically said, you know, by putting it out in February, it was Universal saying that they had no confidence in it and dumping it. I think that hurt it. I think that the year before was 91 and the movie that had dominated the box office that year was Terminator 2. And the big thing about Terminator 2 was this CGI, you know, these CGI effects. And we, I think we were just entering into a phase of this new advance in digital effects. The following year, we would be getting Jurassic Park, which was going to up the ante even further with, you know, digital dinosaurs. So I think that a movie that was sort of playing around with old special effects right at the moment when we were about to make a step into a whole new realm of special effects probably was seen as being too old-fashioned or something. Well, especially with the cutting-edge lawnmower man that came out <laughs> right, with the right. virtual reality. Right. Who'd <laughs> want to see this when you could see Job? Job. But, I mean, there was a lot of CG yeah. stuff yeah. happening at that time. Yes. I mean, it was terrible CG. Sure, but it was. It was happening. These effects have held up better over time, especially in comparison to something like the Lawnmower Man. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, it's intentionally old-fashioned, but right. I think maybe people weren't in the mood for old-fashioned. No, they were wanting more cutting-edge yeah. effects. Is, yeah, that I, I could see that for sure. And it's also a little bit of a hard sell. I mean, it's this medieval fantasy type of movie, but it's also kind of a comedy. And it's a sequel to a horror series, but it's not really in the same tone as those movies. I'm just trying to imagine the elevator pitch. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It was a passion project, honestly. No, I and I, I'm being silly when I say that, but I'm just like, you know, how do you... Yeah, how would you pitch this as an elevator pitch? How would you? Like, it's just, it's it's so all over the map. And there's nothing else like it, which is great. But it's also, it's a double-edged sword. Right. And, and to your point, like, oh, they didn't have to sell it that way. But people just as terms of word of mouth like how do you even tell your friends what this movie is they don't have to sell it that way but they have to sell it to us and we have to sell it to our friends yeah like how do you get your friend to go see this who you know maybe hasn't even seen the evil dead franchise or maybe has and is like this doesn't sound right yeah you know like there's there's a lot of of question marks there with with what it is so yeah i agree with you on that as well i think it was a hard sell i think we've already touched on one of the hugest problems is the rating it got. Yeah. This is so geared towards adolescence. Yep. And they can't see it. And this is like, this has happened before with other films we've talked about. It's like, this is, you, you're not even letting your, how is your audience going to get to go see this? And they're going to have to wait for, for VHS. They're not going to be able to contribute to your opening weekend of the box office because they're not allowed to see it because they're under 17. Yeah. Because this is definitely for the under-17 crowd. Definitely. This is for 12-year-olds. Yes. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. I think that was a huge blow to it, too. And, I mean, Sam Raimi, I think, knew that. He was trying to make it PG-13. Yeah. They just couldn't get there. They wouldn't let them do it. I, I think that's, just, it's, that's a real shame because it, it could have had a different a different road. Like, had they, like, let them have it be. It's, it's a PG-13 movie. 
Yes. I mean, like, this is what we were saying when we were watching this. I'm like, okay, so you're going to give this an R rating like it's it's Devil's Rejects or something. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, th- think about other things that get an R rating. Yeah. You know, I, I immediately go to Rob Zombie because he's always gross. Right. His movies should not be R rated. They should be <laughs> NC-17. Really, they should if we're going to, yes. you know, go by those honest. rules. If we're going to play by those rules. Yeah. Like, they're operating on a different plane. And, you know, it's just not, it's so not the same thing. So I think that that's a, just a super bummer that 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 was really not fortunate for for the poor Sam Raimi in this film was to not get the the peak audience didn't get a chance to see it. But you know, like a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast, there was a happy ending for Army of Darkness because now I would say it is beloved by many people. I think it's probably made its money back and then some. And, uh, yeah, it's made Bruce Campbell a household name for people who are nerdy and like uh, horror movies and goofy comedy horror movies. So the Army of Darkness was triumphant in the end. It just took people a little while to to get there. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go grab my boomstick and say the magic words, Klaatu, Verata, Nikto and uh, summon an army of the dead. That about does it today for Tentpole Trauma. If you like what you heard, check out our social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for Tentpole Trauma. That was easy, wasn't it? If you like us, hit subscribe and leave us a sterling review on iTunes, if you dare. If you really like us, head over to Patreon.com and get involved in one of our fabulous tiers. You'll be glad you did. Want to communicate with Tentpole Trauma? Send an email to tentpoletrauma at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And who knows, one day you may even get your email read on one of our shows. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you real soon.